This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome everybody to the No Nay Never podcast, the home of all things Burnley Football Club. But this week we've got a very special episode and I'll be your host, George Poole, standing in for, of course, Natalie Bromley. Now, we know it's the international break at the moment and international football can get a bit tedious, especially when Patrick Bamford is somehow playing for England. So we've got an incredibly special guest this week, folks. Michael Hodkinson. And for those of you who don't know Michael, he's releasing a new book all about Burnley Football Club and Blackburn Rovers. But it's not just a history of the two clubs. It's a history of the rivalry, which we know is also special. So the book is called No Nay Never, Blackburn Rovers versus Burnley. And it will be released in the coming month, where you can find it via the Legends Publishing website. Now, Michael, before we get into the book and the Burnley and Blackburn rivalry, please just t- tell us a bit about yourself. How, what's your background like and how did you get into football, not just as a fan, but just as playing yourself? Well, I, I, I played at school, um, like, like a lot of people do. I played for the school team and um, I, I, I then went to college and um, to, um, to train as a teacher and... Uh, when I came back to Darwin, which is, is where, where I'm from, um, we, we, we started our own football team immediately after the 66 World Cup. Um, I, it's, it's interesting how, just how many teams did, um, did did commence their history in 1966. Unfortunately, this one only lasted about four years. But uh, <laughs> but uh, so I, I played into my mid 30s, but I got very very involved in schools football as well and. Um, uh, ran school sides, um, was secretary of the Blackburn and Darwin Schools Football Association, particularly with the town team, and and that was very very big in the seventies and eighties. Sadly, schoolboy football is is dying to death now, but um, but in the seventies and eighties it was massive. I I, um, I I was then on the English Schools FA National Council for for several years as well. Um, sort of being involved with boys who, who were internationals and several of whom, you know, um, carried, carried on successfully to become um, in England players. And um, 
I, I, I just, I just love football. You know, I mean, like like many people who I suspect are, are, are listening to this and uh, and and they go on to Turf Moor, they they just love the game. And um, I, I, I just got this idea um, about two years ago that it would that it would be nice to write uh, the hist- the history of of both clubs sort of running side by side. Um, so it's not just, it's not, say, the history of Burnley followed by the history of Blackburn Rovers. It, it, it's a sort of year-by-year year history of each club and sort of comparing where, uh, in any given year, where they are vis-a-vis the, the, their, their, their rivals. And it's amazing how this rivalry has grown. You, 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 although it, it was there from the very off in 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 the um well eighteen eighty eight it commenced officially. I mean there, there there were several tasty moments back then, but it certainly developed massively. I think from about the nineteen from about nineteen sixty ish really in, into what it is now. Yeah, this this brings up something that I, I absolutely loved when when reading the book and it's obviously your interviews with many of the ex players. I think there's over thirty in total. And I just wanted to read an extract of what Graham Branch said about the rivalry. So this is Graham Branch who said, I played in the Merseyside derby, the Glasgow derby and the Istanbul derby. And I have never seen a rivalry as fierce as this. So, Michael, does does this game live up to the, those great those greats of football? Little old Burnley against Blackburn. Is the rivalry that big? Well, <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think you've got to listen to the pros on this one because they they know they're they're right in the middle of it. Um, Andy Payton, you know, a, a legend at Burnley, he, he told me that um, he, he he could not believe the similarities between stepping out at, for, for an East Lancashire derby and for a Glasgow derby. Now, uh, maybe the Glasgow derby is the most tasty derby in Europe, maybe. Uh, he, he played in that at Andy. Uh, he played for Celtic. But he, he said it was just the same when he played in the East Lancashire derby. And and people who were... I mean, obviously, Andy was, he was a padding boy, isn't he? And, and, and he, he was brought up on it um, as, as a lad. But these people coming from different clubs, different parts of the country, they, they've they been absolutely stunned by just just what it was like within the town. You know, with people stopping them in the streets and and, and wanting them to go out and, and annihilate the opposition on, on the, um, you know, in, in, in the week leading up to it and so on. And certainly, certainly one, one or two of the, of the Blackburn players um, uh, in particular, uh, Sam Garner and, and, and David Dunn, you know they they, they they've all almost sort of got, got a reputation in Burnley as as Mister Evil, really, um, just because they they had success playing against them in 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 the local derbies. So yeah, I mean, I think you've got to say that that, that it stands up there with with, with the vast number of, um, of of derbies that that there are around around Europe. Um, in terms of crowds, obviously, you know the, 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 there is a limit, but to, to the number of people who can watch them. But uh, there's there's certainly um, quite frenetic. They're frantic, and uh, and at times not very nice as well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, you're not wrong there. I mean, even mentioning David Dunn uh, in my room, that, that, that does bring a sour <laughs> taste to the mouth. I, I, I know we've seen him around Brockhall and a, a few times around Wally. And as soon, uh, whenever I see him, I think, oh, God. Oh, God, it's done it. Uh, but we've touched on the, the hatred and sort of the vitriol between the two clubs there. But you, you've got a really unique case to tell in that you, you're a Blackburn Rovers season ticket holder, but almost count Burnley as sort of a, a secondary team, am I right? And you have an, an affinity with both clubs in a way, which I think is quite special as well and something which a lot of our listeners just won't understand or won't, won't even, yeah, won't understand. So please explain explain how... How is it that a man who's got a ticket in the Jack Walker stand also has an affinity for Burnley? It's really unique. Well, when I when I finished teaching and and, and, and I came off the English Schools Council, a guy called Jeff Taylor, who sadly died only a few months ago, who, who was in in charge of the youth setup, really the the the, the, the younger the, the younger kids at Gawthorpe for for a lot of years. And uh, he, he, his sons have both played for the Blackburn Town Team, Blackburn and Dawn Schools Town Team. And, and he came to see me. He said, do you fancy doing a bit of scouting for, for Burnley at, uh, at, at, at schoolboy level? And I said, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I did that for about eight years. And <laughs> I suppose at first it was a little bit through gritty teeth. But then the more I was going down to Gawthorpe, and the more I, I could feel myself being drawn into this club. And and there was a very, very strange incident in my life, really. Um, the um, the first derby, my mind's going to be a blank on, on what year it was. The first derby, was it uh, 2000? 2000, yeah. The, the, the first derby for, for donkey's years, really. And... Um, it was it was at Turf Moor, and, and and Jeff said, "I'll get you a ticket if you want." And I thought, "No, I, I don't want to go and sit with Burnley fans." Um, and, and it was on Sky, so I, I chose to watch it with on Sky. And as I sat down in, in, in my armchair, you know, in the, the minutes leading up to the game, I wasn't one hundred percent certain who I wanted to win. And it was only sort of, but as soon as, as, as the referee blew his whistle, I, I knew then um, that I'd got, I don't know, 50 odd years of supporting Blackburn weighing down heavily on me. And there was absolutely no way on earth that I could not support them on that day. But it, 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 it did need some thinking about, really. So that shows how, how close I got to Burnley without ever losing this wonderful love affair I've got with Blackburn Rovers, really. That's, that's brilliant, yeah. And uh, I think it's the, it's this case with many people around the area that it, it literally is almost a flip of the coin of who you support. It's it's You've got a granddad here, you've got a, a family member here who go, goes down Rovers or goes to Turf. I, I know for yourself, it was, it, was a, it was a granddad, am I right, that got you into supporting Blackburn and uh, hearing his tales as a kid that led you to support one club where I think you freely admit that it could quite have easily been Burnley. You'd have had that same love for Turf Moor in a way. Well, I, I'm certain that if I'd have been born in Paddyham, in Nelson, Corn or Burnley, 
maybe in Haslinden, maybe in Clitheroe, you know, maybe in Accrington. I consider Haslinden, Clitheroe and, and, uh, and Accrington the border towns, really. Um, but if, I, if I'd have been on, born on, if you will, on the wrong side of the border, I'm certain, 100% certain, that I would have been a Burnley supporter till I die. Um, because I think with many people, that's the way it is. Um, it, geography, family, friendship groups are, are possibly the three main reasons why you support a club. You know, thankfully, it's not because they, they, they win everything. You know, I mean, I, I, I can't cope with people who support a club because they win everything. Um, because it's, it, it, it's hard. It's hard at times supporting a club, particularly if the club's not doing well. And I have so much time for those people who, who, who packed um, Turf Moor on uh, in 1987, I think it was, uh, um, for that game against Orient, which was a, a life or death game. You know, they, if they, I think if they'd have only drawn, they, they, they would have been out of the league. And, well, they, they probably would have got back in, but, but you never know, do you, really? You know, there are teams like Workington who've never got back in and... Um, you know, fallen out for some reason. Gate said the, the, these sort of teams, you know, and you know, for those, I think it was about seventeen thousand on that day. This was at the very, very bottom of the, I think it was the, yeah, it was the fourth division then. You know, seventeen thousand crowd. I mean, that's that's something, that isn't it? And in the book, I, I, I wouldn't say I don't like Manchester United. They're not my favourite club. And and I've certainly respect for people who were who were true supporters of Manchester United. You know, I I, I I respect them. But I do say in the book that it took far more guts to be at Turf Moor that day than it did in um, in, in in Barcelona in nineteen ninety nine when 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 United won 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 the Champions League again. You know. It took some guts to get down to Turf Moor that day, and I've I've one or two people I've spoken to in uh, for for the book, and, and people I really respect, who said I, I I couldn't go. What one guy said, my wife won't let me go because she, she said, I, and you might have a heart attack. She said you're not going, and another guy said I I I, I sort of listened on the radio all the way through, not really wanting to listen. Yeah, it's, it's bonkers. I think my dad was actually the same in that he, he either couldn't go or he, he didn't want to go just because it's just too much too much heartache for, for mm. someone to bear. But I think that's what's very special about, in particular, the Northwest clubs and, and just clubs in the championship level who go through the ups, you go through the downs, but, but the ups are so much so much higher for, for going through the lows. I, I was speaking to Chris Sutton on, on the radio, actually, uh, last week. And he said, doesn't it get boring as a, as a Burnley fan under Sean Dyche? And I said, boring. We've played the likes of Peterborough in the championship when I was growing up, when I was seven, we, you know, 17 games without, without a win under Steve Cottrell. So no, thank you very much, Chris. It isn't boring <laughs> because the highs are incredibly, are, in, are incredibly high right now. But it, it does make you think in that a lot of the clubs around the Northwest have so much in common with each other. Working class clubs, you know, we really don't have the, the finances that the big cities can draw. So, so I want to ask you, why is it then that, like like as a Burnley fan, I have a real affinity for Accrington Stanley. And I, I, I'd love to see them doing well. I think it's brilliant that they're punching rightly above their weight in League One at the moment. 
So why don't why don't Burnley and Blackburn have that? Where, in your opinion, has this rivalry seeped from? Has is it from them fighting over the canal, as I, I've, I've heard you talk about recently? Where does this rivalry come from? Why aren't we all friends like Burnley and Atkinson Stanley? Well, of course, way back in 1888, there was an Accrington. They were founder members of the Football League, along with Burnley and the Rovers and Preston and Bolton and so on, you know, from, from around here. And um, But sadly, they dropped away after about, I think, about, about five or six years, and they went out of existence. Um, and and I, I think that... I, I think it's more... It's more of a Burnley thing than it is of a Blackburn thing. And even Brian Douglas said that to me. He said, he said, I, I always got the impression that the Burnley crowd wanted their their side to win that little bit more than the Rovers crowd did. And and, and my son's fiance, uh, uh, who, who's been brought up uh, by Burnley loving parents, she's from Burnley and so on. She says, and she, she went, she's been on Turf Moor a lot, but she's also been on Eagle several times because my son dragged her along, just dragged her along there. And she said she, fe- she feels the Rovers, the Rovers crowd are just a little bit more posh than the Burnley crowd. Now, I don't know. You know. I, I, I questioned this myself after I heard you say it. And I, funnily enough, I, I think if I was to ask myself, I'd say, yeah, they probably are, but I'd, I'd, I have no idea where it where it stems from. Maybe it's just this underdog mentality that I yeah. I do think I do think Burnley have, or, or or maybe it's because Blackburn Rovers were started by like ex publican grammar school boys. Who knows? It might go that far back. Well, I mean, the, 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 there was certainly there was certainly rivalry within the first three or four years. I mean, the, the, there was this wonderful game game that got abandoned in a snowstorm when. Uh, Unbelievably, ten of the Rovers players walked off, leaving the goalkeeper. And why the goal has stayed on, God only knows. And when Burnley were caught offside, and then, of course, if you're if you're only playing against against one person, you, you you're going to get caught offside unless you're very very careful. Um, and, and and the the Burnley the Rovers keeper sort of took about five minutes to take the free kick. So which is ten, what tends to happen these days in the games, isn't it? If if a side's winning one 0 it seems to take an eternity for the goalkeeper to take it. So maybe maybe they learnt from this goalkeeper of the Rovers back in the in the eighteen nineties. But what I'm trying to say is that this started with a fight on the pitch, and um, and the ref sent a player from both sides off, and the the Rovers believed that it, it the, the Rovers player hadn't done that much wrong. Reading some accounts, I think he, he had done something wrong, you know, but. Uh, but, but I, I think also, just looking at the rivalry, I, I think I think geography plays a part because the Rovers are more in the middle of, of a load of teams. Um, when Bolton played at Burnden, which is almost in the centre of, um, of Bolton, and Preston were obviously playing at Deepdale, um, Burnley playing at Turf Moor, they were almost exactly, all three of them, about the same... Distance apart from Ewood, I think I think it's two thirteens with Preston and and, and Bolton, and eleven ish to Turf Moor. So, in in a sense, the the Rovers had had a choice of who, who, who their their close rivals could be. But you look at Burnley, all right. I mean, you you've got the Pennines between. Well, I mean. Halifax Town, you know, who've gone, we're out of the league now. Bradford, Brad, I suppose Bradford going east are about the furthest, aren't they? The nearest, sorry. Um, 
you go north and you probably hit Carlisle before you find a football team. But you come wet and you go south and, and Berry's about 20-odd miles, I think, from, from Burnley. But so the Rovers were the nearest team for Burnley. And and so I, I just have this hunch that, that the rivalry probably came more from Burnley than it did, it did from Blackburn. Yeah, no, I, I think you, you, you're almost bang on there because even just thinking about it myself, there's, there's no... T- when, wait, if someone asked me who are Burnley's rivals, I'd say two teams. I'd say Blackburn, <laughs> it goes without saying really. And then I would just about say Preston, but that was really only because since since I was like since I was about ten, we really haven't played Blackburn all that much, and it's it's playing Preston in the Championship year on year that our rivalry yeah, developed yeah. for for me with Burnley and Preston. But that that's not because of particularly because we're all so close together. It's it's because we've played together and we've not played against the Rovers as much. Mm. So so yeah, I I won't be surprised that it is more from the Burnley side, but. Do you think it is also because of this sort of there is a, an underdog mentality? I, I mean, just just with reading your book, I was the amount of times that I picked out. Maybe it's because I had that mentality in my head. I picked out oh, Blackburn a, a bit header of Burnley here. Whether it was the buying the the way to FA Cups uh, from from you know in the late eighteen hundreds to having the big influence on the Lancashire FA sending. Even I remember reading uh, about them sending the youth players to play at Turf Moor because they saw themselves as that superior. I mean, you wouldn't even dream of doing such a thing now. But but even even back in those days, Blackburn had many England internationals uh, before Burnley did. There always seems to have been this Blackburn or the team above. Do you agree with that? Or maybe is that just because because I grew up with uh, being the only Burnley kid in a primary school? <laughs> no, I, I, I think you're right. Um, uh, particularly sort of all the way through to... Well, just after the the Second World War, really, um, there, 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 are, there are different ways of trying to decide who who is or has been the best club. I mean, you can look at Honors one, and, and the Rovers are, are streets ahead there. Um, you can look at who's which club has been in in the top division most, and again, the Rovers are a fair way ahead of Burnley there. Um. But amazingly, if you look at the Derbys, they are absolutely neck and neck. In fact, it's a dead heat at the moment. In in official games, that's not counting things like the Anglo-Scottish and the Manx Cup and stuff like that. In in, in League FA Cup and, 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 and League Cup games, they've played each other exactly 100 times. And they've both won exactly... I think it might be 41, something like that, games each. It, it's absolutely, it, 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 it's impossible to be closer. Um, so that sort of shifts it a little bit. But the other one is the bragging rights. Now, there's absolutely no doubt that Burnley have the bragging rights at the moment. If you've been in a higher division than your opposition for six seasons, um, you, you've got bragging rights. Um, but... You know, you talk about your your, your upbringing. Um, I, I sort of got into football in in, in the earliest fifties, early to mid fifties, and and in all that time, Burnley were a first division club, and the Rovers were a second division club, and it wasn't until nineteen fifty eight that the Rovers managed to get in back into the first division. So I grew up really believing that Burnley were a bigger club than the Rovers. So I 
I think it depends to some extent at what time in history you're coming to this debate, really. Yeah, that that just seems complete, completely alien to me. Uh, for throughout all, all my primary school and secondary school days, I was, I mean, in particular primary school, I was the only Burnley fan in in the year group, or at least in two year groups. It was surrounded by Blackburn fans, and I suppose I wanted to ask you a bit later, but we've we've come on to it naturally now. Is how do you see this rivalry going forward? Obviously, with with Burnley now, clearly, you know, in a really strong position with Sean Dash at the helm, we've got the new owners. Do, do you see it, it it becoming more of a, even in our local area, more Burnley fans than Blackburn fans? Because I just think f- from a mindset, from for, for little kids growing up around here now, no longer will Blackburn and Ewood be the place to go and you know, they'll go and buy the blue and white halves. I think there'll be more kids now growing up and, oh, I want to buy that. That Burnley shirt, if 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 they're not tempted too far too far afield from uh, the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City, that is. You need a crystal ball, don't you, really, to 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 answer that question. But I must admit, at the moment, that it, if if the Rovers can stay in the Championship at the moment, I, I can I can live with that because they they're not good enough to. Uh, I mean, they could get into the playoffs, but how they would how they would fare in the Premier League doesn't doesn't bear thinking about at the moment. But as you know, things things do change, and you know, it, I mean, Burnley haven't made the greatest of starts. Um, I, mean, I know it's very very early days yet, but um, you know, it, they they could drop down a division. I, I think it's more likely that Burnley will drop down a division than the Rovers will go up one, which will saddle me sadden me massively. I, I want to see Derby games, but I want to see them in the Premier League. I don't want to see Derby games again in the Championship because that, in, in a sense, that's where these two clubs deserve to be, you know, looking looking back at their contribution to, to the game of football. Yeah, wouldn't that be so special? I mean, we've only seen, as far as I can think, we've only seen two Derby games between the clubs in the Premier League era, uh, 2009 and 2010. Right, I, I, yeah. Well, yeah, when we went up... Yeah, I am right there. I, th- I thought so. I was questioning myself there. But it, I think it's interesting when we were touching on earlier, talking about how maybe Burnley fans sort of have more emotional attachment to the to the derby, whether it be because Blackburn have got other rivals, etc. The, the thing that I've found in recent years is that when when I was a kid and obviously we hadn't beaten beaten the enemy, as we should say, or beaten our near neighbours uh, for 34 years, it, it, it ate me up inside. It was horrible. I, I really felt, oh, we were oh, just scratching and clawing to get up to Blackman's level. And, and now the shoe is almost on the other foot. And when I talk to my uh, Blackman fans who are friends, they're almost apathetic about the, the rivalry with Burnley. It, it, it's The switch has been flicked so quickly that Burnley have suddenly, in the last five years, are seen as the superior rival. rival. And there's almost an apathy amongst the Blackman fans that I know t- t- towards the rivalry. I don't know if you've you've experienced it yourself because when when I was younger, even though we were the the lower club, the inferior club, it, it ate up at me and I wanted to claw, I wanted to get up there to Blackman. But now all I all I get from my Blackman friends is just apathy, which is sad in a way. Well, I mean, I mean, sadly from my point of view, I, I have an awful feeling you might you might be right there. Um, I, I don't hear uh, much being said from from all the Blackburn people I know about about playing Burnley again. 
you know, <laughs> they're more concerned with stay, staying up, really, um, and, and, and somehow finding some money from somewhere. The, 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 these are the things that they tend to talk about. Um, but there again, you know, it, it, what, 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 what you're probably doing there is what we were talking about a few minutes ago. The, you, Bur Burnley, I think, did a wonderful job as underdogs, really, um, if I can say that. Um, and, and, and I think that that was classic underdog behaviour by you in those days now I'm, I couldn't I can't say at all that um, that the Rovers aren't underdogs now they are underdogs now compared with Burnley but I I, I don't quite get that the, the Rovers supporters really feel that they're underdogs to Burnley as yet now if it goes on for another 10 seasons I mean it might be different I mean, you, you, you know, you were talking about 30-odd years there, weren't you? You know, um, I think we've had six now, haven't we? So, but, but it, it's... Uh... And 11 since, 11 since Rovers last beat us, 2010. Don't worry, I've got, I've got the counting on my wall. <laughs> 11 years scratched off. <laughs> yeah, because there, was, there were a series of draws, weren't there, of course? Um, yeah, yeah. But, but, I mean, it's this very interesting point you've made there. But but it is it it seems to be the case with the clubs, especially, and I don't think I really appreciated it as much until I did uh, read read the the non ever book, and I, it made me think. I, I think in your own words, you said the clubs are almost in a state of a seesaw when one's up, one's down, and it seemed like we had maybe in my lifetime we had two two years or so in twenty eleven and twenty twelve, and Blackburn had come down, and we were both in the championship, but then all of a sudden Sean Dyche comes into Burnley. And that seesaw again rocks up Burnley's way, but it, it has seemed like that, hasn't it? In that it's been rare in the club's histories that we've been on an even keel uh, and just like two normal clubs competing against each other. That's absolutely true. That I, I, I mean, I've so, before I started to write this book, I, I had a pretty decent idea about the rivalry, but I, I hadn't twigged that, and, and and that came as a big shock to me. The, 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 there were great lengths of time when 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 what one club was far superior to the other, even when they were both in the same division. I mean, even back in the very early stages, I think Burnley finished above the Rovers maybe twice in the first twelve years, and they were in the same league virtually all the time then. Um, and uh, and then of course that that period of time from forty eight, I think, through till uh, till till fifty eight, when 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 well, and he went. He went beyond that. I think only in the eight years that the Rovers and Burnley were in the in, in the first division together, uh, between fifty eight and sixty six, there were only twice did the Rovers finish above Burnley in, in the league. Then, um, so even though they were in the same league, you know the seesaw was very much uh, Burnley up and, and, and the Rovers there. But you know, Bur it's a the Burnley story is a wonderful story because I, I don't know how they did it. They just could seem to be able to pull young players from absolutely anywhere, and and every season some some new star will come come onto the scene, and this of and, and this of course was, was manna from heaven for Bob Lord because he 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 strove manfully to to keep the the the, the club afloat really, um, and 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 so he could he, he would see somebody really good coming out of the reserves, and he would say right well we'll sell this fella for. 
you know, what, maybe 200,000, which, of course, in those days was an absolute fortune. And that's what, that's went on, that went on year in, year out, um, from from the mid-50s, really, through to, to, to the mid-70s, until suddenly it, it, it all dried up. I think people like Lane James, um, Derek Scott, they, they, these these were the, the the last ones to really come through. There may be more to after that, but um, you know. And now, I don't know. It, it is um, the young winger McNeil. Is he off from from? Um, has he come through through the, the the development side and everything? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we signed him when he was about four. He was about yeah, fourteen, yeah. so we we claim him. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, we we've made him a bit, a bit like we made Danny Ings. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you're there at that age, then then they're your own, aren't they? Yeah. But is there anybody else in the current Burnley side who's uh, who's come through? Certainly, after. There's there's a young lad by the name of uh, Lewis Richardson. He's only about seventeen or eighteen, a young striker, but he seems to be banging them in fun. It, there is a real, there's an interesting sort of tipping point at the club at the moment in that the the previous board obviously built the new training ground, and in the sort of period between the the old board and the new board, there's been a lot of money put into the youth academy, uh, and they've only recently, I think it was last year, gone up to that top tier uh, of the the status yeah. as uh, like a top tier one. That, Youth Academy, yeah. and the the word is that you know that the reaps of the rewards of that will come in two or three years down the line. So so it will be interesting to see if the if that sort of youth drive comes comes again. Because I mean, you were speaking there about the the nineteen sixties and and how how Burnley managed to get all these young players a lot from from Ireland. It was sort of the same in reading the book in the the late eighteen hundreds when it was it was Scotland players, oh, yeah. Scottish players who'd come down to Burnley, yeah. but. I, I was I was just reading today, um, and I thought this was brilliant. I I had no aware of the the coincidence of it. In that, for for me, the, the one date for me in my lifetime for Burnley and Blackburn is the 9th of March twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah. Now we all know that's Burnley win at Ewood for the first time yeah. thirty four years. But for you, it's only three days out. But it's the twelfth of March, nineteen sixty, and you were writing about that. This is the exact moment in, in the cup that season when you. It dawned on you how big this derby game yeah. actually was. Could you yeah. tell us a bit about that? Yeah, um, I mean, the, and Burnley. Well, Burnley won the, the the Division One Championship. Burnley were the best team in the country that year, and um, and, and the Ro- I mean, the Rovers were a good side. They, they, they were a, a a decent first division side. You know, halfway up the league sort of side, and uh, they, they both reached the sixth round. And, um, and 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 Blackburn had won at Tottenham in 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 the fifth round, and Tottenham were 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 a great club then. Um, in, in fact, I think some people in Burnley regarded Tottenham as Burnley's chief rivals then. Um, but so and then the draw came out for the sixth round, and we it was, it was amazing really because we were. I, I was at Dawn Grammar School, and I, and I think I was in the under fourteen side. And, and, and our fixture on that Saturday morning was at St Theodore's in, in Burnley, and uh, and and on the the draw came out and 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 it was Rovers Burnley against Rovers in the afternoon, so we we sort of managed to get one or two parents to pick us up to 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 take us back in their cars and um, and, and I, I, I can remember eating chips before the game to go on and and I swear I was the first one on uh, about half past one. 
what well, what I did between half one and three, God only knows. But uh, um, and and for seventy five minutes, Burnley were magnificent. They 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 they, they played football from another planet. They were three 0 up, and the referee gave his terrible decision against Alex Elder. I mean, he did hit his hand. Maybe nowadays it would have been a penalty. But certainly in those days, it was never a penalty in a million years. Even we as Blackburn supporters didn't, you know, come and see how he gave it. Elder sort of kicked the ball and and obviously his his arms were out a little bit, you know, as you have to do to keep your balance when you're playing. And and he sort of flew off the edge of his foot, hit his hand, you know, penalty straight away. And and Douglas scored. And there was only 15 minutes to go. And... uh, and speaking to to Harry Potts' son-in-law, which I did quite a bit in in, in the book, he he said he he, is, he had ne- until the day he died, he never forgot those fifteen minutes. He said they were they were about the first fifty, the worst fifteen minutes of his of his, of, his, of his life, really, as as a football manager. And the Rovers scored scored two more goals, and well, we couldn't believe it when we walked off. It, it was it was wonderful, absolutely wonderful, coming off as as the Rovers supporters, and the Rovers. They went to extra time to the replay, but the the um, the Rovers came through two 0 and, and deserved to win on the night. But that first game, Burnley Burnley were head and shoulders above the Rovers. Yeah, I I couldn't quite believe that when I was reading about Harry Potts hadn't hadn't gone over gone over this this Alex Elder penalty, you know, for as long as he lived. And you think of the, all the achievements that Burnley side. I mean, getting to the FA Cup final was it nineteen sixty two, and yet there still there was this one penalty, and okay, it might have been the fact that it was a dodgy penalty, but I'm sure there was a few of them back then. It was because it was Blackburn at home. And even though, you know, I think you're right, that for Pops, it wasn't a bigger game than the others. They were all important, but there was something special about that fixture, which clearly brought something out of him to then think about that one penalty for as long as he lived. Well, he, he, he I, I, I can, Philip Webster, who's his son-in-law, I, I, I can hear Philip now telling me that he said Harry felt that if if they lost the game, which which they should have won normally, he he would carry the can for that with the club. But he said on this occasion he was he had the weight of the whole of the population of Burnley on his shoulders. He said and and and, and that takes some doing really. Yeah, it's just remarkable what. This fixture, and I suppose all, all the derby games, due to due to the players and to managers and the owners. But one of the most extraordinary interviews that that you did that I found was Graham Alexander. Now this is a player who played for seven or eight years for Preston before joining Burnley. You know that's a local team, Preston. But when he came to Burnley, he said that he was shocked, shocked that this was a massive rivalry, and it almost hadn't it hadn't occurred to him. And when when we went up in the playoffs. He was surprised walking around Burnley to hear it wasn't oh let's we're going to play United. It was when's the Blackburn yeah. game? When's <laughs> yeah, that day? Right, it's yeah. just incredible. It, it's, it's incredible to think I, I can I can picture Gresler walking through town thinking, hang on, I've just worked my socks off so we can play Arsenal and Chelsea. When's the Blackburn game? Yeah, <laughs> he must have been having a chuckle yeah. to himself. But is this something you're feeling that a lot of players? I think Kevin Ball was saying the same. He didn't expect it. A lot of players and maybe people from outside of the North West don't particularly understand that this rivalry is so big. I mean, I'd wager that a lot of Southern football fans, if you ask them 
who was the ri- the great rival of Burnley or Blackburn. Some of them might not be able to tell you the, the name of the team, but it seems that when they come to the club, it, it's another picture because, as we all know, it is such a big rivalry and it's up there with the with the greats of the game. But it just seems like people don't know it outside of the northwest. Well, I mean, since you're talking about Kevin Ball, I mean, and 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 there, there's either a, a, a hero or a villain, depending on which shirt you're wearing, isn't it? But um, he 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 came down to to Burnley at the, the end the end of his career, really, you know, just to sort of play out a year or two, and, and he did very well actually. A hard man. And um, they, they played Newcastle United. His first game at Burnley was a friendly against Newcastle United. And, and the um, Newcastle had the centre forward. And, and every time he, he touched the ball, the Burnley crowd booed him. And, and he said at half-time, he said, well, why are they all booing this, the Newcastle centre forward? And, and they said, well, it's Kevin Gallagher. He, so he said, so? He said, well, he, he was at Blackburn. And he said, so? You know, still he hadn't, he still hadn't twigged with him. Why? And then you know, if he said he he soon, he soon learned, you know, why. Um, but you know, <laughs> I mean, poor Kevin Gallagher, you know, <laughs> sort of he, he couldn't get away from the Burnley from the Burnley fans, you know, even going up to Newcastle. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, when I was reading what Ross Wallace said to you, and he said, "Oh, I was walking around Burnley, and it seemed as though in twenty thirteen and fourteen a lot of Burnley fans would rather would choose beating Blackburn over winning promotion. And you just think, wow, it tells a tale, doesn't it, of how mm-hmm. big it, it really mm-hmm. is for the fans. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I can still hear Ross saying that, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, just going back to this um, who, who do you support thing, really, um, it, not, none of... I don't think any any of, of the people I I, um, I spoke to, except perhaps somebody like David Dunn. Um, I'm just trying to think if, the, if there was a Burnley equivalent of David Dunn. Maybe Derek Scott. Um, uh, although of course Derek was from the northeast and David's from well, East Lancashire, isn't it? Great old. But um, I wouldn't say any of the others really are, are sort of either sort of now died in the wool Burnley supporters. Or died in the wool Rovers supporters, but the affinity they have they have with the club is it, it, quite amazing, really. And and um, you know several of them said, you know, the best days of my footballing career were at at the Turf Moor or, or Eagle Park, you know. So so it it obviously meant a lot to these to these players. Who, who I mean, it must be difficult for a player, mustn't it? You, you're a bit of a journeyman, aren't you? Really, you, you you're at a club as long as that club wants you, or, or until somebody else comes along and wants to pay you a hell of a lot more money. But but you, you, I mean, yeah. Imagine imagine someone working for Microsoft developing a rivalry with Apple to this to this extent. You you couldn't imagine it. You could be in no, any other line no, of work. No, no, no. Um, I, I'm, I'm I'm just trying to think of of, of any anything else really that. Um, I, I I could say to you that that, that came up. I mean, I I I think I maybe mentioned this slightly early on, but I, but I I do have a go at, um, at at people who support teams for what would appear to be no apparent reason. Although having said that, of course, you've got to accept that we can all support who on earth we want to support. You know, who 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 am I or you to say that somebody should? 
you know, support Burnley or support the Rovers or, or anything. But, um, I, you know, you, you, you said that uh, you, you, in your class at school, where, where did you go to school, by the way? What, what's, where, where, where were you at school? So, so I was in Barrow. Uh, All right. And it's, and yeah, border towns, exactly. So it, I, I, I think for a lot of my friends, it was the case of, okay, we've got two local clubs here. Who do we support? Now for me, all my family's from Burnley. So there was, uh, funnily enough, the, this just goes to tell you the, the, the extent of the rivalry, the first, the first words or the, the extent of the love for the clubs. The first words that my dad said to me, he says, uh, when I was born was up the clarets and I was presented <laughs> with a Bertie B, a Bertie B teddy bear. So I don't think I really had a choice. Um, but it seemed as though everybody in school was a Blackburn fan because at the time Blackburn were the superior team. And I think that 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 drives the rivalry in the sense in that I, I, I to this day, I, I really dislike Blackburn. I hate them. People who say, oh, I'm a Blackburn fan. I've got this like gut feeling in me. I'm like, oh, no. I, I, you you were writing that you were listening into a conversation uh, behind you and someone so and so said, "Oh, but he, he's from Burnley. Oh, he's a dingo." <laughs> yeah. And you just yeah, you yeah. just think in no other sport would you, would you, would it seep into the public realm away from the ground? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I mean, I, I suppose I'm. I, I, I'm a rare sort of person, really, in in, in the fact that that I, I do have I do have links with both clubs, and I don't think there won't be many people like me around, really. But Paul Fletcher said a wonderful thing, really. He said on a Saturday, he said we should hear the opposition as much as we possibly can, but he said for the other six days of the week, he said we should just glorify the fact. That football's a wonderful game, and 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 I thought that was a tremendous thing to say, really. Um, and I also think that we should respect other fans. You know, I I wouldn't want you. I won't. I won't want to convert you to be a Rovers fan. You know, I, 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 it's not right for me to try to do that. And and likewise, I, I you know I, I I wouldn't want you to to try and do this pull the same trick on me, because you know I respect you as a Burnley fan. You know what you said to me. You know it's, you've you've grown in respect by saying that to me. You know, and and I just wish other fans could see that. You know, yeah, let's let's have a dig at them. Let's have a load of banter. Let's sort of knock them as much as we can, but let's respect them as well, because if, if as in my case, if I'd have been born somewhere else, I I, I would have been a fan of another club, and and I, I think. I, I just yeah. wish a lot of other people could could accept that point, really. Yeah, it's it's interesting in that it's one of the few games in in Britain. I think maybe Portsmouth and Southampton is the same, which which is a bubble game. Not only do fans get bussed between the grounds, you can't go to I can't go to Ewood without getting onto a bus which is transported down the M65 with a police escort. But it's not only that, the, the towns are practically shut throughout the day. You've got the shutters down on, on all the shops and in no other in no other rivalry except maybe I say Southampton and, and Portsmouth does does that happen? It, it does do you think to you, because I, I, I have a difference of opinion with people uh, on the non ever on the podcast with me in our enjoyment of this, because for me, as much as it'd be horrible to see any violence between the clubs, 
I love I love going on to Blackburn on the the coaches and all going as one because it just adds to the in- intensity on that game. Do you think that this the the bubble system that's in place? Do you think that adds to the rivalry? Although it obviously inconveniences people having to get up at eight a.m. and travel to one ground to go to the other, I, I think it really adds it to the intensity when you're in the ground itself. Well, I'm, I'm certain, yeah, and and it doesn't seem to put people off either, does it? You know, you know, <laughs> in, in, in the recent past, it hasn't put people off. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, it all adds to the camaraderie as well, doesn't it? It's um, you know, if you if you're trying to build team spirit, it's a great way to build team spirit, isn't it? Um, no, I, 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 I think it has. And and I think it has worked, you know, from a police point of view, I think it has worked. Um, so, but, but, I mean, I didn't know about Portsmouth and Southampton. I, I thought the Rovers and Burnley were the only ones, but they, they do it down there as well, do they? Well, occasionally, because... Yeah. I've heard, I've, I've, I've the occasionally they don't play each other as much. Yeah, yeah. But it, it is interesting. I, know. I, I remember reading that, I think it might have been, Ross Wallace saw someone when they were travelling to Blackburn as part of the Burnley Burnley playing squad, and you, you see the the fans lined in the streets howling all sorts of abuse at, at, at you. It's no wonder that a lot of uh, not many players have played for both clubs. Uh, I think in recent years you've had Michael Keane, David Jones, Paul Robinson, but Keane and Jones were both lone players at Blackburn. Robinson was basically on his last legs, looking for a little payday at the end of his career uh, with Dyche. It's a real rarity that players play for both clubs do, do mm. you think there's any particular reason for this maybe it's is it the club's unwillingness to do business with each other is it is it the fact that the players themselves aren't keen it's something we're seeing in football i know you talked a lot about rivalries in general at the beginning of your book why why does why does it why does it happen so rarely that players play for both clubs in a rivalry I mean, I, I honestly don't don't know, I, and I've, I've I've never. It, 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 I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful question, and, and I've never, never really thought about it before. Um, and 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 some of the ones who 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 have played, you know, have been nice to be properly signed by, but like Keith Newton, for example. I mean, he was at Everton in between. Was Keith? Um, I mean, going back a long way, Jack Bruton was probably the best example of somebody. Who, who, who was a star player playing for Burnley, and he played. He was captain for England, playing for Burnley in the twenties, and he came to the Rovers, and he had a great career at the Rovers as well. Um, I think him and Newton really were the the, the, the two best players who who played for both clubs. Um, can you contradict me on that? I don't. I mean, I've said that off the top of my head, but I I think I might be right. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I yeah, well, it is. It yeah. is. It is. Uh, it is interesting that you bring that up. Uh, sorry, I, the connection meant I talked over you know, I think. But I, I was just interested that you picked up on the, the best players to play for each club because I, I think I think you asked me there whether you'd said something wrong, but I think you're at the best position to, to answer this sort of question because you have researched all these seasons. I mean, I'd love to hear you rave about Jimmy Mack for 10 minutes, but I, I do want to know who do you think is the greatest to have played for each club because a name that stood out for me... Um, was Jack, Jack Southworth, I think his name was, a uh, Blackburn striker right at the turn of the 20th century, who I obviously had never heard of. But yeah, yeah. from reading the book, I mean, he sounds like a cracking player. He was the Alan Shearer of his day, um, was Jack Southworth. Um, he, he, he topped the, the, the country's goal-scoring list one season. He, he, you can actually... 
you can often judge a striker by the number of goals per game, the the the, the percentage of goals per game. And I think Southworth was in the not point nine percent, which is, is is a tremendously high ratio. Um, I've not got that right, have I? It's not not point nine. Um, no, it's not point nine. There's no percent there. Not point nine um, goals a game. It's virtually a goal a game. You know, over. You know, um, I don't know. He probably played about eighty games for the Rovers in Southwark. But Shearer was nearly there. You know, Shearer, Shearer was in the point point eights. Um, unbelievable statistic. Um, I mean, I, I from a Rovers point of view, I I, I think. Um, You've got to put Southworth in there. Um, you've obviously got to put Shearer in there. You've got to put Clayton and Douglas in there. Um, as, you know, as being being the greats. And there's no doubt McElroy was was a genius. Um, we hated McElroy down at the down at Ewood. I mean, he he just ran the game. He he was like an orchestra conductor was McElroy. And he didn't seem to run about that much, particularly. I don't know. Maybe that's my memory playing tricks with me. But uh, but the ball always seemed to come to him. And of course, when it when it comes and it sticks perfectly, of course you don't have to move around that much because you're not you're not chasing after the ball. It's there. It's there exactly where you want it. And he and I think I'll come on to Jimmy Adamson in a minute. But I think the combination of of, of Adamson being coached there. And McElroy playing came out with, with quite a few innovations in football. I'd never seen a short corner before until the Rovers had played Burnley. I mean, he might, I'm, I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but I, that, I, that was my first memory of seeing a short corner. Um, and the way he could find Connolly, God, Connolly, Connolly was a nightmare to the Ewood defence. He was so quick and knocked those crosses over, and also he could score goals. Um, and of course, he played for both clubs, but it he was getting towards the end of his career when he came to the Rovers, although he did all right. But um, so you know, to me, in, in my time, Jim Mac, Jimmy McElroy must be the best player who, who, who's played for Burnley. Um, but dating going back, they had a guy called Bob Kelly, who I think has been capped for England more than any other Burnley player. I think I think I'm right in saying that. Um, he, he played. Burnley had this wonderful side immediately after the First World War um, when they won the league. Um, a tremendous side then. And, and Kelly, I think, was the brains behind that. He was a, an, in, an inside right, as, as, as they used to call them then. Um, they had a guy called Crabtree as well, who, who, who played before the end of the 19th century, who eventually inevitably was sold to Aston Villa. Um where he went on to become an even greater player, but but they reckon Crabtree, in his day, was the best player by a mile that Burnley had ever had. But what I wanted to say about Jimmy Adamson and Harry Potts was one thing that came out about this was that there's no doubt Harry Potts was a great manager, a great man manager. All the players say that they all got on with him. He was dead straight, and if they had a problem, he he he, he would do his best to sort. You know, problems off the pitch often because players. You know, they might have any sort of problem and then they go to the manager, can you help me, boss, you know? And, and apparently Potts was brilliant at that. Adamson was a genius of a coach, um, but not a good man manager. So the players at the time said, 
um, which I found quite interesting, really. Um, but if you but if you can imagine that Potts was managing, Adamson was coaching at the same time, so it's no wonder they had a great side, is it really? Yeah, it's it's fascinating hearing you talk about all the, those players because I think for someone my age, it's incredible how the tale the tales of players from back then live live very long in the memory. I mean, you ask any Burnley fan worth his salt these days who the greatest player to ever played for for us is, and it's it's Jimmy McElroy, and it's because your dad's told yeah. you, your granddad's yeah. told you, whoever it is, it's all, the the tales are passed down yeah. the line. It, to the point where, obviously, just before he died, he, he was for any for any Burnley fan of any age, he was the top tier, the the biggest class that you could get. I remember the week that he passed away, which was awful news, but it was really poignant in the fact that Jimmy McElroy was the player who guided that incredible Burnley side that last won the league, you know, in 1960. But on the week he died, we were travelling to Olympiacos to go and play in the Europa League and it was like it was really special in that we've gone through all these ups and downs since then but on the week he passed away the Burnley squad was travelling to Athens to go and play European football in in Olympiacos' stadium that night the, the chants for Jimmy McElroy were deafening and it wasn't just you know the elderly folk who'd, who'd seen him play it was young young and old in between so it's incredible how the, the tales of these players live long in memory yeah, and and I mean, I only met him once, I think, and but uh, I mean, my memory of him was being a very, quite a humble guy, really. Nice, you know, nice, pleasant, and so respectful, really, of, of anybody you spoke to. But anybody from that era will tell exactly the same story, you know, that, that he, he was a nice guy. And why did he get rid of him? You know, why did Burnley get rid of him? He went to Stoke, and he did well at Stoke, and but. I think Bob Lord knew he could get the money for him, but I don't think they ever really quite replaced him. Um, I don't think they've ever had a, a playmaker. Yeah, it's, like just, that. It's, it's funny you say that. Yeah, but Bob Lord has that sort of reputation. Reputation. Um, it is. It is quite funny that you say that you, you only met Jimmy Jimmy once because I when I was young I met him once and exactly how what you say just an absolutely brilliant down to earth guy. It was. It's funny how we we met him. I had bought when we first went up to the Premier League. Our our home kit was like a dedication to the the title winning kit. You know, mm. same design, no sponsor, no sponsor on the front, etc. And I, I I got on the back. I, it 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 tells you how much the tale of these players lives on. Just completely off the back of me, not my dad or anything. I said I said to my dad, I want to get McElroy eight on the back of the shirt. That's who I want on the back of my shirt. It wasn't Chris Eagles. It was it was McElroy eight. But at the time we didn't we didn't quite know which number he played in most for Burnley, whether it was seven or whether it was eight. So what my dad did was think, well, there's only one man we can really ask, and that's Jimmy. So we found him in a yellow pages book at Jimmy McElroy, Burnley. My dad rang him up and he was like, Oh yeah, yeah, this yeah, it's 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 Jimmy, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I'd be happily. Yeah, I played in number yeah. eight. And uh, we went down to a, to a, to a, an event and got it and got it signed by him, and I've still got that that shirt hung up yeah, to the yeah. day. But it really tells the tale of how how what a brilliant guy he was, and sort of leads on to my next next question, which was when you were researching the book and talking to all these ex players, what are some players in particular in particular you were fond of to talk to who had maybe some really good tales to tell more than others, and were just 
simply really approachable for you. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll stick to Burnley here, obviously, you know, because, I mean, you, you are a Burnley podcast, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, Steve Kindon was so funny. Um, <laughs> he told some great stories. Um, I, I really enjoyed talking to him. And, and, and I found Derek Scott re- really easy to talk to. He told, told this wonderful story in Derek because he, he finished playing football and he became a policeman. Now, you know, I don't think Cristiano Ronaldo's going to become a policeman, is he? You, you know what I mean? It's a different world, isn't it? And I said to him, I said, uh, you know, did when you were a policeman, did you have any trouble at, at sort of like derby games or, or, or at games generally? He said, no. He said, I was on traffic mainly. He said, so I didn't get involved in that. He said, but I got called up to an incident on, 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 I think, one of the housing estates in Burnley. And there was a standoff, and, and, and this lad, a young man and his dad, well, I, I'm not sure if a knife, he was a young guy was going to stab his dad or something. And, uh, and, and so none of the police dare go in, really. And this guy, as well as sort of watch, keeping an eye on his dad, was also keep looking out the window. And he saw Derek Scott come up, and he opened the door. And he said, you can come in. <laughs> and so Derek said, I went in and we sat down there for 10 minutes. He said, and I, we just talked, you know, just talk generally. And, and then in the end, he said, I'm going to have to handcuff you and take you away. You know, he said, yeah, that's fine. That <laughs> I thought that was a wonderful story. Real. Yeah, I think I think I think you, your mindset changes when you recognise someone and you've got respect for them. Yeah, OK, I, OK, if needs must, I, I'll get the handcuffs on. Yeah, yeah that's fine. And it's no but I don't, I don't want to take up all your time tonight. So I'll move on to some quick fire questions that I, I jotted down, um, which I think will be interesting about your sort of process of, of writing the book in particular. Um, the first one is, what what was does anything leap to the mind as the, the hardest moment of writing the book? Were, were there any moments where you even questioned whether it was a, a good idea in itself? Well, I'll be honest. Right, when I say writing the book was easy, it, it was very, very time consuming. And um, led to, you know, um, several sort of tiffs with my wife. We said, oh, you're still on that? Well, you can guess what she said, you know. But um, I, I love the writing of it. Finding photographs has been a nightmare, um, particularly with the lockdown. That, 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 that's that been the big bugbear. That slowed us down because we couldn't get into archives. And then, I don't know, you, you uh, this, there's this Getty images who seem to have almost a monopoly of, of pictures and, and you can't get to them. And um, it, it, it's the last few months have been far harder than the, the year or so it took me to write it, really. I mean, it was a labour of love, basically, that's what I'm saying. Writing was a labour of love. Finding pictures, <laughs> pictures certainly wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny. I do, I do a bit of writing... Uh... On, on cycling, funnily enough, and the, it's it's the images which are the killer. It's not it's yeah. not the writing. It's it's the process of putting that yeah. into production. Um, but are there any authors, uh, authors in particular, that maybe you looked for for inspiration when you decided to take up the project of writing this book? Are there any that jumped to mind as you know you just love reading their work? No, I, um, but I, I I did sort of go through the. Mike Jackman has written two or three books about the Rovers, and and um, ironically, he, he 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 ran the Blackburn and Darwen 
school's primary setup when I ran the secondary setup. So, so I know Mike quite well, but it, it, his books are quite tremendous. And you know, and you, I mean, you don't copy them, but but you you you, you read them. You know, well, is there anything I'm missing here? You know, kind of you know, kind of look at this a little bit differently. And uh, Burnley, the uh, this wonderful book from Burnley. Um, <laughs> them all. What's the guy's... Yeah. Um, You're going to give me something new to add to my reading list here. I can, I can feel it. <laughs> Ray, Ray Simpson. I've, I've read some works by Ray Simpson on Burnley. And, and again, you know, I, I've never met him, but I, I could imagine having a conversation with him for about six hours, really, you know, with, 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 with some of the stuff he, he, he told, you know. They were, they were great helps to me. Did you did you always, um, obviously you said that this idea sort of came to you a few, a few years ago. Did you always harbour the the ambitions to, to, to write a, a big book uh, in your lifetime? And why? Why was this? Why did this come to mind a few years ago? Why, why did it all come about? Well, no, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I was heavily, heavily involved in teaching. Um and then we went to live in France for 13 years. And um, and it was right at the very end of when we were deciding to come back, I suddenly got the idea that um, I think because I missed football so much, we lived in the in the southwest of France, which is rugby union land. And um, we lived in a, quite a big village and there wasn't, there wasn't even a set of goalposts in this village. So I used to go down on a Sunday to watch the local rugby club, you know. The nearest big club was Bordeaux. It was about a two and a half mile uh, hour journey away, you know. Because that's what France is like, you know. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. The idea just came to me, and I started looking at things. And you do do some research. You, you get facts and figures, you know. And I think I think that the, the getting getting st- statistics down can can often sort of lead you down down the right path. Really, it, it sort of guides you in, in directions to go to. And and. But I'd, I'd never, I mean, I'd, I hadn't gone through life wanting to be an author at all. If if I could, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm an author now, but, you know, to be in my mid-70s, you know, I, sort of, I've almost reinvented myself, really. Yeah, I, I'd definitely class you as an author. I'd be very proud if I, if I managed to get to write, write this sort of book. Uh, are there any, you've caught the book, you've caught the bug now. Are there any more ideas on the horizon for a Burnley or a, a Blackburn related book. I know. I know you said to the Radio Lancashire that maybe something like a Blackpool versus Preston wouldn't. You won't fancy it because you live through this book as a project. But you know, you've got your ties to Burnley and Blackburn. Is there any more ideas in the pipeline? Well, I've I've sort of half written a book already about the Rovers, but I'm I'm umming and eyeing about that at the moment because you, you know I'm, I'm I mean it's not a cheap book. I mean it's. it's there's no change out of 25 quid for it. And, you know, I, I, I think if sort of in the next year after I put another one out about the Rovers, I think, I think I'd be pushing my luck a bit, really, even though it would be completely different. And and the funny thing is, I, I have begun to think about the, the Burnley, the, the, um, the, the Blackpool uh, Preston one a, a little bit more in the last few weeks. I, um, whether I will ever do it or not, I don't know. I need to talk to people over there. Um, Andy, uh, Andy, I find Andy, you know Andy Bay is the, the on Radio Lancashire. I find I find him very a, a very useful source of wisdom, really. But but he knows so many people, you know. And um, and you, I, I I 
if I if somebody had to ask me what do you th- what do I think is the best bits about the book, I think it's the fact that I've managed to get the views of so many different people, and so to get the views of a lot of people, you you've got to either be introduced to a lot of people, or you've got to know a lot of people. Well, I don't know so many people over over Black Blackpool and Preston, but you know, so I'd need people to introduce me to people. Really, that would that that would have to be the first the first step. Yeah, well, I th- I think you've definitely I think you've definitely got the bug now. I'd love to I'd love to see another Bur- a Burnley book a Burnley well, book out of you. I might I might not be investing. I'm sorry, Mark. I might not be investing in the Blackburn book. I've got to break it to you. <laughs> no, um, I, I would I would I would I would almost be disappointed in you, really, if you did. You know, if you, if you did buy a book on Blackburn, you know, you know. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I I think there's been a lot of good books written on Burnley. Um, and, and I, 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 I can't think of a, a, of a book on Burnley that I could write at the moment. But you never know, do you? Who knows? Who knows? It. I, I, I'm sure, like like you, ideas suddenly whiz into your head, don't they? From from nowhere, really. So who knows? I, I think you've got to wait around until we uh, we make it 35 years yeah. since Blackburn yeah, beating well. Burnley, and there might be another a tale, there might be another tale or two held within there. Uh, one final question for you, and it's uh, it's the it's the title of the last chapter of the book, really. Uh, in, in terms of the Burnley and Blackburn rivalry, can it, should it, will it ever end? Without giving too much, without giving the game away about the the book in itself, what do you think about this? Well, it, I'm I'm positive and negative about football generally. Um, when I played in the Blackburn combination, there were five divisions. There are now two. I also played for a while in the Dorman League. There now is no Dorman League. So I think there's a lot less people playing 11 aside football. Having said that, junior football, kids' football has absolutely sprouted. You know, and kids are playing football at a very, very young age now, far younger than, than, than we ever did. I mean, school football's gone down the drain, but, but, but the, um, the, the, the junior stuff is big. Will they keep on um, being interested in football? Again, we're into crystal ball land here, aren't we? I don't know, but but I I think football football can carry on for 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 a long while, um, and as long as you can get people interested in putting money into Burnley and Blackburn Rovers then there's absolutely no reason why those two clubs shouldn't continue to battle. Probably sort of a, a, a give or take, a, 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 an equal level, really. You know, there'll, there'll be seesaw stuff, ups and downs. But, you know, I, I think that can happen. Um, should it? I, I think I think football gives so much to, to, to the country, really. Um, I mean, there's nothing like a team game. You know, I mean, I've played a lot of golf and I've played quite a bit of tennis, but you know, where there's ten other guys with you, you there's something special about that. There's something special playing in teams, and that I think that's one of the great things about football. And um, and and you learn so you learn so many life skills playing. You know, saying to the opposition, you know, they, they might you might have been trying to kick him to death during the game, but shake hands with him at the end and say. Well done. There's something like that, you know. There's something rather special about that, you know. And it, it, if we can keep things like that going, the the the, the country will learn from that. Um, 
and also it, you know, we life's not that easy, really. I mean, we know the last eighteen months have been hell, haven't they? Really, and and to some extent, I think I think football has helped to keep things going. Um, England's success in the Euros, sort of the, uh, as that was coming to a close, I think was quite marvellous for the country. Really, it gave them something positive to focus on. So yeah, I, I, it, it certainly should keep going. Um, it can, you know. There's no reason why it can't, and and I think it, I think it will. Yeah, it's a, a brilliant note to end on. That I just think the the, the return of the, you know the Euros over the summer and the return of fans at the start yeah, of this season yeah. it's just given this whole renewed optimism to everybody i mean i've not felt the, the way i i did against we we played leeds just before the international break and uh, it was a brilliant game it ended one all but it was an absolutely barnstorming mm. game and with with the leeds fans there and, and our fans and obviously lancashire versus yorkshire it was just something so special and it, it's something that the the pandemic ripped away from us and i think if that's how it felt for for a leeds game i just i just can't wait until until another Burnley and Blackburn game, it'll be. It might be some time yet, but as I said to Chris Sutton, we, we might have to hope that the FA Cup throws us something after the new year. Yeah, yeah. Well, they certainly the, the, the League Cup certainly won't this season now because after the abysmal performance by the Rovers against Markham, I mean, they, they slumped out of that. But Burnley is still going. I mean, Burnley do not have a good record. Sean Dyche has not got a good record in the League Cup at all. Um. It's very very poor, but but he's he won twice now, haven't you? Yeah, he won you won two games. We've not we've not got a good record. We've not got a good record in any cup under Sean Dash. No. I'm afraid it's not the priority. Um, so I think it, it dwindles down the opportunities for us to play Blackburn until we uh we get relegated. But some someday it will happen. It will be a, a marvelous a marvelous occasion indeed, especially with fans back. With I think the last time was 2017, wasn't it? And it wasn't the most competitive of fixtures. So even though I really don't really hope Blackburn do well, hopefully we, get, we do get on an even keel soon and we have a competitive fixture. Uh, but it's been brilliant speaking to you, Michael. I don't take up the rest of your night. So before we go, um, just just let us know again where we can get the book. And does does it have a release date yet? I know I've got a, a pre-release copy, so I'm in the privileged position. But for our listeners, when is it going on sale? Well, it, it, it's the very, very end of September, but maybe it might creep into the very, very beginning of October, but, but it's about then. And if, if you look on, on, on the internet at Legends Publishing, he, he, the guy Dave Lane has, uh, uh, published, publishes about six or seven books a year for all, all football. It's niche, it's niche football stuff. It's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not an Alec Ferguson biography, it's stuff like that, you know, it's, it's about the nitty gritty of football, and and he's produced some good books, and and hopefully this this will come out as as well. Yeah, the, the better tales are. Yeah, like can them. I just say what what a, what a refreshing pleasure it has been to speak to you. You know. Yeah, thank you very much, Michael, and it's been brilliant having you on the podcast. I think all our listeners are going to absolutely love this. And before I go, I must say thanks to producer Matt who puts all yeah. this show together. And without him, the, the podcast really wouldn't run. I know, Michael, we got off to a, a couple of technical issues at the start, but Michael's, M- Michael saw that Matt's always at the helm, ready to uh, get us out of the mire. So I, I've got to say thanks to producer Matt. Thanks to Michael again for coming on. Remember, guys, go to Legends Publishing to purchase the new non-aid ever book. 
Uh, I think it's very appropriate that we've got Michael on the No Nay Never podcast this week. Such a brilliant chant, uh, brilliant book, and it really is your go-to guide for the, the history of the two clubs, but both but completely intertwined with each other throughout throughout both our long and storied histories. So thanks again for coming on, Michael, and thanks again to all you listeners for tuning in. We'll be back after the international break, so after Patrick Bamford's done oh, running around in an England shirt, completely undeserved, may I say. That, that's the only bit of punditry I'll do on this week's show. But thanks again, Michael. It's been a pleasure. And listeners, we'll see you after the international break with the preview show. Thanks again, everyone. Well, the bit where um, great, um, Kevin Ball was driving home after that horrendous tackle on David Dunn and he phoned his wife and, uh, and his wife was so He said, you don't think it was a foul, do you? She said, a foul? She said, I'm, t- I'm surprised you didn't lock you up. <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.